Welcome to the Warrior Women Project podcast, helping you become a warrior woman, sort your shit and find better balance in your life. Oh my goodness. Sometimes you speak to somebody and you're like, how have I not known this person my whole life? I need to know this person. I need this person to be in my life. And I did this podcast interview with Smile with Susie and I've come straight on to record this because I'm like, she's like living a very similar path life to me. Not everything's in synchronicity, but so much of her journeys are replicates of each other. And I was just so excited when she was sharing her story and her journey, things that she's dealt with, how she's dealt with things just related so so much to my own journey over the last couple of years and I can't wait for you to listen to this podcast I hope you get from it even one nugget of information of hope of inspiration um we've both come off this call going oh my god we need to meet in real life oh my god we need to do this we're both going away to research things that each other have talked about that each other have said to just really enhance our own understanding and our own well-being and everything else so enjoy the podcast i hope you get from it something anything at all Welcome to another episode of the Warrior Women Project podcast. This is Warrior Jen here with you today and with me today I am very grateful to have Susie Ayton with me and Susie please introduce yourself to the listeners to tell them a little bit about who you are and what you do in this world. Hey well thank you so much I'm so excited to be um, having a chat with you guys today. So um My name's Susie, uh, as you mentioned, and I'm, I guess, the nuts and bolts are that I'm a life coach today, um, and my business is called Shamelessly You, um, and I'm cheesily smile with Susie on any of my Instagram stuff, but (laughs) well, I'm quite shamelessly, well, no cliche intended, I'm shamelessly cheesy, um, (laughs) but there is a bit of a background to both those names, the smiling part and the shamelessly part. Um, And I think uh, the most important thing is what's brought me to today and why I do what I do, because I thrive on supporting people and helping people um, in a number of different capacities. But I feel so passionately that we should all be able to shine. And that's because for a long time, I really didn't. And it's taken me quite some time to get there. Multiple sclerosis is the biggest part of that uh, journey for me. And, and it's why I, I do what I do now. Yeah. So when did you get diagnosed? Well, I hesitate with that because the actual journey in terms of it stopped me in my tracks, that started between five and six years ago now. I should yeah. probably know it to the date. I could tell you that it was the first time that Andy Murray won Wimbledon <laughs> and because I, I was watching the final for that. So however many years ago that yeah. was. It was in a matter of days that I was first hospitalized um, with MS at the time. So the journey has been over a number of years. I've had as many people with chronic conditions will probably resonate with. I've had ups and downs in terms of conclusive diagnosis. Mm -hmm. Um, And I've shifted as I've moved around the country. I've moved around neurologists and that's had an impact on kind of what their thoughts have been about my my condition and whether there's anything else there as well but it started between five and six years ago and um on paper today for what that's worth you know I have relapsing remitting um MS so yeah it's it's been a while um but every part of those years I've learned something new to overcome it and if it's cool I'll probably tell you a little bit about how the journey started yeah that's what happened So being a good Scottish girl, and I am quite honest around this, I do enjoy to have a drink now and then. Mm -hmm. And I say that because I was watching the Wimbledon final and I lived in London at the time. And I I realized that I was slurring my words when I was sitting there with my friends. And you know, that way I thought, oh my God, I can't be drunk. Like I, I remember looking at my drink and I was like, I've had half of that. There's no way I can be drunk. What's happening? So it registered with me 
but I just tried to put it to the back of my mind and, and just continue. And, but in the days that followed that, my speech became so bad that I was avoiding all types of conversations. I wasn't taking phone calls and work. Um, you know, I was in like management meetings at the time and apologizing for my speech, saying that I was just stumbling with my words a little bit and thought, God, they're going to think that I'm like drunk or they're going to think that I'm on drugs or something. Mm, yeah. And um, so it, it was getting worse and worse, but then, and not to labor this story too much, but it's just the very start of it. And I, I kind of, I went to the gym one night after work. My speech was not really working, but I still went to the gym because that's when you get results or that's yeah. what you have in your head <laughs> when you don't want to go still drag yourself there. So I dragged myself there within half an hour. I felt like I was going to die. Um, I can't really remember what happened because I sort of stumbled home. I think, you know, passed out sleeping when I was at home because the fatigue had been huge. Like if I'd closed my eyes for five seconds, I was fast asleep even in work over those days. Um, So anyway, I I get up the next morning, I sort of stumble onto the bus and I'm on my way on the bus to work through through London. Pushing through. Yeah, pushing through. (laughs) Everybody's looking at you, what you're doing, and I'm putting my lipstick on. And it was bright red lipstick. Um, And I can remember looking at it and going, that doesn't look right. Like, what's happened? Um, I kind of looked again and thought, God, my mouth's lower on one side. And then I I was like, okay, I started to get a bit panicked and a bit teary and flustered. Um, I thought, no, no, just calm down, get to work and look in the mirror. So that's what I did. I got to work looked in the mirror, tried to smile at myself and only one side of my smile smiled back at me. And yeah, like (laughs) I'll never forget that, that feeling, that moment. I totally freaked out. What went through your head when that happened? I thought I was having a stroke Mm, and I thought this can't be happening to me. You know, everything happens to somebody else. It never happens to you. Yeah. So it's like, Oh, genuinely, like, it makes my chest go funny when I remember that feeling. Um, So I I ended up in hospital and I was kind of ambulanced from hospital to hospital across London. And um, they thought I was having a stroke and I was admitted to a a stroke ward at that point. Um, The rest is sort of history from there. That was the beginning of it. But I remember a really iconic moment was when I'd had some scans and you convince yourself everything's going to be okay. Then the consultants come round your bed. You know, you know that moment. They all come round and gather round you. Like, hey, Susie, this is Dr. Alma Mar. We've had one of your scans back and it's not clear. Don't worry. You've not got a brain tumour. I was like, oh my God. Silver lining. Yeah, struck, struck fear into me. And they said, we'll leave you with Dr. Almamar and he'll explain everything. So I sat down and he was such a wonderful man. I felt really lucky that he was my first neurologist. Uh, He was very gentle and explained to me what MS is. And that was the beginning. So what has ensued from there is a true determination um, to get my life back. Uh, You know, I I seem to be one for cliches, but... Um, it, it started at that point I visualized my journey as being slurring to superwoman because slurring had been my first big thing yeah. and I wanted to be my version of superwoman again yeah I thought I don't this can't be my life over this can't be me on a road because MS is a degenerative disease this cannot be my life now yeah. what can I do and I didn't have the answers didn't know what would happen I had fear but I had determination yeah and um, And I guess my last point on that would be, I feel quite lucky that it hit my vanity, first of all, because you can't hide your face or your speech from anybody. And for me, I'm quite honest about that. If it hadn't been my smile and if it had been something I'd been able to hide a bit more easily, I don't know if my determination would have been the same from that very first moment. But it was and it is and it's brought me to where I am today. So what was your initial prognosis from the hospital when they diagnosed you? Like, what sort of path did they say you were going to end up on? Um, It was all very vague, if I'm honest with you. They explained the disease and the potential of the disease in that it's a degenerative disease, that it's a snowflake disease, because there are no two people with MS that suffer the same. 
Mm. Everybody has a different combination of symptoms. Um, Snowflake makes it sound quite magical, but maybe that's me just (laughs) trying to find the positives in it. Um, And, but Dr. Almamar at the time just said, listen, don't worry, get on with your life. He was clear around what I could do and what I couldn't do and that I would never be able to work uh, six days on the trot, for example, because that would have an impact on me. I would always have to be on top of, you know, the little things like going to the dentist on time. If I had a cold, I couldn't just fight through it. I had to stop and let my body recover from that. Yeah. Because these are all the things that trigger your immune system to then trigger your MS. Yeah. Um, so they, they explained a lot of stuff like that. But at the time, you know, there's no definitive answer that you're going to be disabled at some point in your life. But it was explained that that was a possibility for the future. Yeah. And did you, I know that just from looking at your social media, that you are now, that you are made free with MS. Were you always made free or did they start you on a protocol? No, I was always made free. And I always made that choice. Again, I feel really lucky. I kind of feel like the stars have aligned in so many ways and so many, you know, support mechanisms in my life. I was within days of coming out of hospital. uh, My sister sent me a YouTube link that somebody, her best friends had passed to her, you know. Um, And it was around a lady called Terry Walls. And she has MS. And it was around the fact that she's actually... For want of a better way of putting it, eating her way out of her wheelchair. Um, so she was uh, becoming more and more disabled. She was in, I don't know the right phrase, but it was like a gravity, you know, supporting wheelchair. Yeah. And her life was deteriorating rapidly. Um, she had a medical background. She started to look at, and I won't do this story justice, but she started to look at how do you improve your life? Well, vitamins and minerals can have an impact. she did that didn't see much of an impact she's like okay what's the natural source and she just kept driving her research back to okay food is the natural source and real food is the natural source of vitamins and minerals yeah and she then developed her way of eating which is not complicated it's just eating good fresh foods and getting a bit of a balance right with it yeah um so I was sent that and I thought you know what this is worth a try I'm gonna do it too and Within days of starting that way of eating, my speech was impacted so positively that I was like, there's, there's stuff in this shit. You know, I'm definitely <laughs> sticking to this. Wow. Yeah. You know, if this, if this is how I feel within days, imagine what I can achieve if I keep going. Um, and I think that was a big thing. You know, when I look back, it's all about noticing the small steps and, and how you achieve that. And that was my first small step because prior to that, Trying to like speak had been like pulling a sentence through my brain that felt like thick mud. It was like, I always kind of see a tug of war, you know, like pulling those words out and trying to push them out to articulate myself. I would have really struggled and been so anxious about this conversation today. And yeah. clearly I'm okay at talking. I clearly <laughs> quite like talking. You know? You're very good uh, at it. <laughs> but I, I would have really struggled with this five years ago and it would have struck panic into me to just try and speak to you in a pressured situation yeah but when you made the decision to be made free did the hospital try and encourage you to take medication or were they happy for you to take your own path and really supportive of that path well at the time they were happy for me to let it progress for a while i.e. six months you know that you're kind of given time where they go right we'll do another MRI scan we will evaluate Um, because I don't think they want to put you on medication immediately but I do think it's really interesting that the phrase that they always use is we'll see we'll do another MRI and see if there's a case to be built to have you start taking medication and it's kind of like you build a case to win something don't you (laughs) yeah I don't want to win the right to have medication. Thanks very much. I'd rather not build that case, but that's by the by. Um, So they, they let me take my own path in saying that I am a huge advocate of the NHS. So I'm really not, you know, kind of saying anything negative about them, but I have been left to my own devices. I've not been supported on this journey. Yeah. Um, Part of that's probably because I moved away from London 
I moved back to Scotland. First of all, I moved to Fife, then moved into Edinburgh. So from an NHS standpoint, I moved around their regions, you know, or whatever it would be classed as. I then moved on to different neurologists. So perhaps they didn't have the opportunity to give me, you know, exactly the support that they would have wanted, but I've, I've had to carve out my own path. And whenever I've tried to have the conversation around the impact of nutrition and research around that and lifestyle factors on MS, I've been shut down by neurologists. Um, they've not been willing to have that conversation with me. Yeah. Um, the best line was, oh, well, having a, a Greek-style diet and plenty of olive oil is going to be good, good for anybody. I don't have a Greek-style diet. That's not <laughs> what I wanted to talk to you about. I never mentioned olive oil, so that's by the by. Yeah, because I, I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease in March last year, and I asked lots of questions about nutrition and lots of different things because I was so unwell when I first got diagnosed that I had to go on medication. I wouldn't mm -hmm. I would have probably died if I hadn't because things were so severe. Yeah. Um so I had to start on that path. But my path from day one was always I want to go off this medication. I don't want this to be a long term thing because you've talked immune suppressants, chemotherapy drugs, yeah. they was their own their own range of problems and for me that just wasn't the right path absolutely and like yourself anytime I say things they were like mm, diet really doesn't have an impact on it and I'm thinking are you having a laugh like mm -hmm. what you put mm -hmm. into your body has got such a huge impact and I was already pretty healthy in terms of what I ate but what I wasn't healthy with was my stress levels because mm -hmm. I was a fitness instructor a personal trainer I loved to go to the gym I had high intensity workouts all the time every single day and several times throughout the day so my body was physically stressed even though I loved what I was doing and loved yeah. it and I wasn't sleeping at night and they they were like oh yeah we don't really know that stress causes inflammation in the body we do now know because that's yeah. your study came out just recently um, yeah. proven that it did but I was just like I, I just felt like there was this I had a diagnosis and this was the protocol. This is the path you're going to follow and you're pretty much going to follow that for the rest of your days. And as I'd like yourself, I love the NHS for what it can do, but there's so many, they close so many doors that if they opened them to more people, more people might have a better quality of life than they do than just going down the medicine route. Absolutely. And even if it's to complement the medicine route, yes. I have so many conversations with people. I am, you know, I'm med free and I choose that way of life because of what you say, you know, the severity of the medication has its own list of side effects, you yeah. know. And um, so that's my personal choice to do that. But, you know, if you if you do that, amazing. If you if you take medication for your condition, I absolutely understand it because we've both been in those situations where you you think, or you know that your life is so extreme and you feel so extremely ill. Yeah. That you'll do anything. There's that desperation. I totally get it. Um, but there's a, a part to play in complementing it yeah. with holistic you know, approaches. And stress is such a factor. And so many you know, elements that just movement, but not even movement. And as you say, high intensity well, that's you at one end of the spectrum and that creates inflammation. Yeah. But then no intensity, i.e. nothing, well, that's, that's detrimental as well. There's a middle ground to be found. And I just think there's so much information that we have to get out there. We yeah. have to be the advocates of that as people who are experiencing chronic illness and overcoming it. You know, we have to support other people on their path, not to replicate ours, not to do yeah. exactly the same, but to find their own way. Because yeah. there is some light to be found in that. You know, it doesn't have to be the end of life as we know it. Yeah, because one of the things that I had done was I got, I don't know how many books on people that had self-healed from Crohn's and read blogs and found journals. And every single person's journey was different. But mm -hmm. every single person's journey was the one that felt right for them. So which diet plan you choose, whether it's keto or paleo or vegan or juicing or whatever, it has to be right for you because it has to be something you can sustain. Yeah, absolutely. The with the exercise, the same with anything. It has to, when you read it, you can't, if you go, oh my God, I can't do that, it's not going to work for you. Whereas totally. if you look at it and go, do you know what, I could, it's going to be tough, but I can try it. That seems like something I could follow. You're going to get much more success out of it. And that's regardless of whether you're dealing with a chronic disease or trying to lose weight. 
absolutely you have to be invested in it yeah and you know to complement that um i think that there's a real place and i do this a lot you know i feel lucky that i do a lot of this in my job so i'm not just dropping in oh, i do this in my job it's it's like reality that knowing your why why you want to do something so you look at a diet or you look at an exercise you know um approach and it has to resonate with you but you need to know your why and why you want to achieve it and not just the surface level stuff that you think, oh, because I want to get well again. Well, okay, we all want to get well again. You know, really start to dig deep on that because once you go a few layers down, and I can share my why, but once you go a few layers down on that, that shit is like so deep that that yeah. will propel you in the times when it's tough and in the times where you're like, oh, I'm exhausted and I don't want to cook a, cook a healthy meal. Give me a takeaway, you know? <laughs> In those yeah. moments that are human in real life, if you've got your why as strongly as is possible, that's what carries you through. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know if you feel the same on that side of things. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely, I do. What was your why? Um, my why, I kind of, I normally explain it, so let me follow my thought process. Go for it. Go like a few steps. So I'd start off with going, okay, I'm going to do this. Well, why am I going to do it? Okay, I want to get healthy again. I want to get well again. Oh, well, that's all good and well, don't we yeah. all? Um, but why do you want to do that? Well, actually, I want to show them that it can be done. Because when people are saying that, you, maybe it's just me, but when people say you can't do this <laughs> and your life is now going to regress, well, no, I will prove you wrong. So actually, part of me that was like, I want to prove that this can be done. Um, and then start to dig deeper on that. Well, okay, it's actually not just for me. And this has evolved a little bit over time as well. It's not just for me. I want to show other people that it can be done. And clearly you're the same because that's why you're doing this and yeah. facilitating this awesome podcast, um, to say the least. But I want to show other people that they can do it too. And then how do you go deeper than that? Well, actually, I stand here today and I'm really passionate about saying that MS is the greatest gift that I've ever been given. Yeah. So actually your greatest challenge in life can become the greatest gift that you're ever given, whether it be chronic illness or anything. So yeah. actually that digs me right down to my why, because that makes my tummy go funny yeah. and it makes me kind of want to cry. You I'm know, once you yeah, <laughs> on your face, when you get goosebumps on your face, but when you really get down to that level, um, you know, that'll propel you through anything. So for me, I, I want people to know that whatever that they feel is difficult or too much right now, they can overcome it. And if I can do that in some way by overcoming MS in a way that everybody said is impossible, yeah. then that to me is my why. So if I know that a plate of kale is going to do me good, <laughs> I'll go and eat the kale. I'm belittling it a little bit with that, but you know, the, the, um, I'm really passionate. The heart behind that is, is authentic it's there yeah yeah because they'll like i watched the heel documentary have you seen that one do you know i've not what? it's on my list to watch i got it when it first came out because i was still in that that phase of i wasn't quite off my medication yet and i needed more information that i could go back to the hospital with and be like but this person got better from stage four cancer and this person did this because these people that all came back from this were a small percentage but that small percentage means that it can happen yeah so it's like yeah. oh I want to be that small percentage absolutely and I'm so with you I you know you really hit a nerve with me with that a good nerve because it's like yeah they come back and go well that's one percent of a population of millions you know yeah well, if you just encourage that 1% and, or 2% and showed them the way, then that is going to naturally increase. Yeah. You know, we need to really, really look at that and lift each other up and empower each other rather than you know, what science says. Well, no, I don't care. Like, as you say, if 1% can do it, yeah. it can be done. Yeah, exactly. No, I think that's so important. The thing with science as well is when I did um, sport and exercise science at uni and one of my lecturers was like, for every single journal that proves one thing in science, there's another journal opposing that, proving the complete opposite of it because nothing's ever 100%. There's always, usually 50%, 60% and that's enough for them to say, oh, this works. But then there's the same on the other side. So you have to read all these journals and pick what feels right for you and again it's the same whatever diet whatever 
plan that you follow, it's what sits right with you and your psyche because what you believe is what will happen. And so um, I don't know if you know of David Hamilton. He's written, yeah. a book. He's written a book called How Your Mind Can Heal Your Body. And he's written several that things. more of a bell. Yeah. I'm terrible with names, <laughs> so but yeah. He's done several things and I went along to his, his workshop. And he, when he first started out, he started out as a pharmacist, like worked in pharmacology for Big Pharma. And he started, he's like, when you leave uni, you want to go and you want to find the cure for cancer. And then you start working in these big companies and realise that it's a numbers game and things have to happen. But one of the things that he had studied in that time or sparked his interest was the placebo effect. And yep. he's like, right, so we're giving people a sugar pill and they're getting the same results as somebody who took the actual medication. Why is that yep. happening? And that's where his journey and where all his studies and where his business now is, is in that well, it can happen because there's something clearly goes on in the mind and uses like quantum physics and stuff like that to back up all the stuff that he talks about and he says. Yep. So I had gone to a workshop with him and in his sort of like opening chat, it was like, accept your diagnosis, but don't accept the prognosis because there is always that 1%. Absolutely. And that like triggers so much good stuff in me as well. And yeah. Because it, it has been demonstrated that your emotions impact your DNA. Yeah. You know, and then actually your DNA impacts the ether or your environment around you. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'll definitely be um, reading that next. I've given myself a bit of a challenge to read a book every week because to some people that might not sound much, but for me from where I'm at right now, that, that'll be an achievement. Um, but the, um, Greg Braden is brilliant. Now he's, he takes very much of a spiritual approach to it as well, um, but it's around the impact that actually, you know, your mindset can have on, just as I said, your DNA. And yeah. um, there's one thing I've neglected to say is that the reason my business is called Shamelessly You is because there's, I did all this, you know, I did all this work. I started off with nutrition and then I kind of layered in some meditation. And in the beginning for me, like I was that girl that was like, are you having a laugh? I can't shut my mind off for <laughs> five seconds, let alone yeah. do a meditation. But in the beginning, it was for desperation. I listened to guided meditations because I had a lot of insomnia because I was so anxious around, you know, what was going on with yeah. my health. So in the beginning, it was just to help me sleep. And then I started to fall in love with it. And then I started to feel the benefits of it and get better at it. Um, and I, I, again, in the beginning, introduced movement again. And I say introduced movement because I'm careful to say that and not exercise. Um, when I did get back to exercising and I'm sure, you know, you're clearly have a love for it. And so I can imagine it took you a while and I'd love to hear what your story was with that. But when I got permission the first time I got to, I was allowed to walk on the treadmill for five minutes and holy shit. When I got off that treadmill, the soles of my feet were like vibrating. I will never forget that moment, but it was difficult. But, um, I built it up and I built it up and I'm going somewhere with this, but I built it up <laughs> and I eventually worked up step by step and I got to the point where I went on my trots and I say trots because they definitely were not runs. Yeah. Um, they were a little bit more than a walk. So <laughs> I went for my wee trots in London and I built everything up gradually. But so we had nutrition, we had meditation. I introduced movement again, but there was this final part that I just could not get back I kept just you know having flare-ups and a, those flare-ups could be severe um you know at times like you'll have stories that at times you know I, I could only whisper or I remember my husband came in the front door and found me like asleep just in the front door on the floor because you just get home and then the fatigue's so great you just collapse you yeah. know you're you're safe shut the door behind you done but I just couldn't unlock it. And until I realized, and I did this actually through a coaching session because I was desperate. And I realized that I wasn't being me. Nothing about my life represented who I was. And so historically, you know, I was successful in my career, but I had shaped myself in a, you know, very focused sales environment over, you're talking over a decade, you know, yeah. um, at least. Um, I'd become quite tough, quite hard-nosed, high stress, cope with any environment. You know, I prided myself on saying, 
I can get through anything if that's two hours sleep and full working day, anything yeah. and thrive in it. And that's not a healthy approach to anything. But with that, my personality had been shaped. I And I think there's so many components that you know could be a whole conversation in itself. But so many elements. I didn't do any of my activities like that I loved. I didn't. The piano was my life. I wasn't playing piano. I didn't have any music in my life. Yeah. I wasn't. I just nothing. Like nothing struck a chord with my heart. Again, cheesy, but nothing yeah. did that when I thought about the life that I was living. And I grieved, and I really mean I sobbed for five days when I realized this. Yeah. And I cried and cried and cried because I felt I hadn't lived my life. Um, but what that then allowed me to do was start to bit by bit drip, and I really mean drip the real me back into my life again and start to unlock that a bit. So for me, mindset and who you are as a person and being able to shine shamelessly in any situation with confidence for me, that has a direct impact on your health, whether it be that you have IBS, you know, whether it be Crohn's or whether you're having a tough time and you get a cold, your mindset is impacting it. What else is happening in your life? Um, And for me, when I started to unlock that, that's when I've achieved true health again. And like, I pride myself today on being really well, being, it's a fine balance that keeps me there. Um, but I exercise and I love, for any Harry Potter fans, um, I call them the muggles. <laughs> like for, I love competing against muggles <laughs> who don't have the magic of a chronic condition. But I, again, I just say that for fun, but I love competing against people. And I do that today. And mindset for me was the last part that, that helped me to achieve that. I've gone off on a total tangent there and a total <laughs> that you triggered it. And I'm so passionate about it. We all need to really truly be who we are in everything we do. Yeah. Have you started playing the piano again? I have. Do you want to know the story is that I don't have a piano in my house. I actually was at an event last night where I kind of made it public that I'm looking for a piano. Um, And somebody came up at the end of the event and said, I've got a piano. I think I can give it to you. Oh, amazing. amazing. The power of like just speaking and sharing. It's crazy. But do you know, at the moment, I go and practice my piano at, um, what's an off-license? The guy that owns the off-license <laughs> likes me to call it a wine merchant because it sounds nicer. <laughs> but he's got a piano in it. And I go across the road Amazing. and I play the piano and I practice when people are coming in for their bottles of wine or gin or whatever it might be. You should put a little bowl out and get some tips. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm missing a trick for that, but... music has huge healing properties as well like the vibration of the music and the frequencies of the music also like tap into that healing energy that we have in us that we don't realize there's a program on netflix called the pyramid quad and one of the things each each sort of episodes they analyze a different part of of the pyramids and how they're there and why they're there and things like that and they used to have the sound baths and when people were sick, they would take them into this particular point of the pyramids and they would play music and just the sounds and the vibrations within that was what really? helped heal the body. Yeah. I'm definitely, I've written that down. I'm going to um, watch <laughs> that. No, I will because it, it made me think of, like I'm really lucky I've been to Bali a couple of times and that sounds very cliched, the whole I've been to Bali and found myself, you know, yeah. but it's not like that. I, I was really lucky to go to Bali and, I had this magical experience um, last time I went and it was doing a meditation and it was a, a gong like meditation. Mm. So they had this massive selection of gongs. So it was all about a sound bath with that. And actually there's another one with crystals. So I'm all about the vibrations like, yeah. um, and it tapping into different parts of your body, your different chakras as well. That's all emotionally related. It's so yeah. powerful. Yeah. Pyramid code. I'm going to watch. <laughs> um, I feel like Bali is really calling to me at the moment because I know so many people that have either been there or are out there just now like I know a few people that are out there living have set up and they're living out there and I'm just like wow. I feel like Bali's somewhere that I need to go let's go together <laughs> let's go together let's have an adventure <laughs> let's go and be gonged <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> that was gonged, not bonged there. Yeah, so. gonged, G G G gonged. No, but you you need to go if it's calling to you, follow your heart. Yeah. Because you just don't know what that's gonna unlock for you in this world. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So what you you said before you came on, you you have calls with people that are suffering from chronic illnesses. What sort of stuff do you go through with them? Um, that's very individual to, to them. So essentially as a coach, I work with individuals, just to give you the background, I work with individuals and I do do it with businesses as well. So that's slightly different. When I'm working with individuals, it's not everybody that has a chronic condition. You know, um, it, it's people that, you know, want to address something in their lives. However, I do resonate really strongly with people with chronic conditions because, yeah. you know, I, I know it, I feel it, I live it. Yeah. So um, every coaching session is individual to them. What I do find is a recurring theme is around anxiety, confidence, and mindset behind everything. Yeah. Um, now, you could say that and say, oh, well, we're all, we all lack confidence in some areas. You could say that as a very general approach. But it, I dig down with them in a really safe way to understand what they are somewhere. There'll be a self-limiting belief. You know, and that's something that they is holding them back. No matter what they want to do, it's holding them back. So I kind of work with them on that. And I also very naturally work on, you know, the nuts and bolts of taking steps forward to improve their wellness. You know, that might be looking at their food. It might be actually resting a bit more, giving ourselves because we're all a million miles an hour. It might be, you know, actually resting, but it's very individual to them and what they're experiencing in their life. So there's no one specific answer to that. But what what I did this morning and what I try to do every month is I release like a a couple of sessions. And unfortunately at the moment, it's only a couple of sessions that I do for free for people with chronic conditions. And I always say when I post it on social media that I'm releasing my dates for this month, I'm always like, there is no catch to this. There's no trick to it. It's free because... I know how it feels to feel desperate and I want to help other people to do the same. Yeah. So, so that's what I do. Yeah, because I remember when I was like really, really ill and I was like, I need to speak to somebody, I want to help somebody, but because I was self-employed and I was off sick, I, was, I didn't have any spare income. And I was mm-hmm. like, I actually can't afford to go and speak to anybody to get some help with this because I'm skint because I'm off work sick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You almost feel kind of stuck in this little space and you don't, like my mum and dad were always like, if you need any money, just ask. But me being the proud person that I am would never... I would never ask for anything. I get That's it. fine. I will make it. I will get by. I'm a grown up. I'm an adult. I don't need mommy and daddy's help. But I can never Yep. <laughs> yep. No, I totally understand all of that as well. <laughs> so, sometimes you just need to accept help, though. I think that's a big thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think know, that was part of my good. journey, was because I, I was so self sufficient and independent and I didn't need anybody's help I think part of my lesson and the gifts to me from my disease was learning to actually accept help and that's okay and I'm not a lesser person for it wow and what (laughs) impact that had on your life now that you've kind of started to explore that and realize that just I've got free time and I'm like oh can somebody come and help me do whatever it is that I need and they're like yeah and I realized that by asking somebody for a favor they're actually giving me a gift and getting that chance to give me a gift the same as if somebody asked me for help I'm like yes because that makes me feel good yeah and it's like yeah this is just weird (laughs) it's so interesting that I totally agree by denying people the opportunity to help you you're denying them a little bit of happiness, yeah. you know, and something that they can do for you. Yeah, it's like you're stealing somebody else's joy when they offer and you go, no, I'm all right, thanks. It's like... Oh, I feel like you actually are me. That was what that noise was there. <laughs> like when you're stealing somebody else's joy, that's exactly how I feel. There's so many things that you've said and I'm like that. Yep, that's me. <laughs> yep, we've, we've led a very similar yet very different journey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're on the same hymn sheet. Um, <laughs> Here's a question. Mm-hmm. In your obviously you share all your positive um live you're living with this condition made free and things like that. Do you ever yep. find anybody approaches you negatively and says, Oh well it's all right for you? Yeah, all the time. How do you deal with that? 
it's one of my my biggest challenges mm. um i have people that if it's in person they'll take that step back look me up and down say you don't have ms I'm like well i can show you photos from <laughs> a couple of years ago where yeah it looks like an entirely different person um or it can be yeah it's okay for you but i can't do that i don't have the time i don't have the money you know etc etc um i if it's in a work capacity it's different because people are there because they do want to find a way forward so that's a different conversation but if it is you know social media i find as you probably do as well um a lot of people will be attracted to you because they're like i want a piece of what she's got how am i going to do that and let me learn from that as i do with other people yeah um but there are the people that go, oh, well, it's all right for you. I, I, I've only ever had to block one person. Um, and I, I don't, don't ever want to do that. But I had to block them because I was excited and shared excitedly about the developments in finding a cure. I say a cure in inverted commas yeah. for MS. And it's around totally breaking down your entire immune system and rebuilding it from scratch. It's severe. It involves chemo it involves being totally incubated it's not the right word isolated i'm not sure the right word yep. but for like a minimum of three months it's a severe thing yeah but you know i celebrated that because i felt that that's a positive thing i hope i never have to get to that stage and i really don't think i ever will because yep. i live the way i do right now yeah but that gives hope to so many people and and i was really torn apart for that in quite an aggressive way yeah over a prolonged period of time um so I think there comes a point to be a bit more concise with my answer. There comes a point where you do need to sometimes say, okay, I wish you the best, but I'm walking away from this conversation. But there's other times where you can just align and say, I understand where you're at because actually it doesn't come from a place of judgment or jealousy. It comes from a place of fear that they won't be able to achieve the same. So normally I'll try and empower them and be like, I know you feel like you can't do this right now, but I promise you, you can. And this is how you might be able to. That's the approach that I would try to take with people. And I do try and take. Yeah. Yeah, Because I've I've had, because I'm still early on in that journey, it's happened a couple of times. And then I felt guilty for being well. And then it's like, oh, I feel really guilty that I'm celebrating my successes but it's only one person, like, inside that, that all the people that have put positive comments, I'm focusing, as you do, on that one negative going, and then you start to feel guilty, and then you start trying to justify why you feel the way you do, and you, the help you do, and I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, right, try it backpedal, and then maybe I shouldn't share these successes, but yep. it's like, no, that's just one person in their view, and says very much about where they are in their head at that moment in time when they've typed that, regardless of what else is yeah. going on in their life definitely definitely and I think that's that you've struck the hit the nail on the head and with that side of things that it's you know that it's just where they are in their journey but I when you said you feel guilty about sharing your successes I totally get it because there's times where I'm like oh god I don't want to share that and you know if you look at my my social media you'll see me make up free because I am me, you know, yeah. take me as you find me, no matter what day that is. But I do, do, you know, I love getting glam as well. I love doing my hair. I love doing my makeup and, you know, putting a nice outfit on. And I'm well enough to go out and socialize with my friends. So there yeah. was a point where I'm like, oh God, no, I look well. I can't post that. Yeah. No, absolutely. <laughs> I should post that as proudly as I post the makeup free looking terrible. Well, yeah. not that you look terrible when <laughs> You know, the rougher days when I'm tired and I'm like, hi, yeah, this is me. I'm cool with that. But why do I have the fear about like when I'm feeling more glam and and posting something else? So that ties in with the, you don't want to share that life's too good. No, we need to, because it's when you and I and all the other people out there that are doing it have that ripple effect, then everybody will start to be uplifted. And I'm not saying everybody will put their lipstick on and get glam because that's not who we all are. But whatever it is that represents you know joy or that in their lives they'll start to do that too because we're sharing it so like you say that the other ones are just just where they are in their journey right yeah. now yeah definitely and you said right at the very start that sometimes you feel lucky 
to be where you are and that's something that I've said and I've said that in front of family. I feel like I'm really lucky because you see people who've got Crohn's that are going through operations and having their colon removed and I just think oh my god I'm so lucky that I didn't end up there. I feel really saddened for them that that's where their journey's taken them and then my friends or my family or whoever is with me are like you're not lucky you have worked damn hard to get to this place and it's like you don't give yourself credit for all the things because I'm now in a place where I'm really happy with my life but if you compare my life now to what it was two years ago polar opposites of each other like yep. so many sacrifices I had to make to get to this place that I don't appreciate now although at the time when I was having to give things up I, I was devastated and I went through a whole grieving process of my old life mm-hmm. but I've almost forgotten that that was my old life because I'm really happy with the stuff that I've managed to bring into it and I embrace it and it's like yeah okay things had to change because I was sick for a reason mm-hmm. I absolutely honestly it's like you are <laughs> speaking my words because yeah you forget the work that you've put in there I sometimes feel guilty and go oh maybe my MS isn't that bad or oh, I feel terrible for that person who's suffering you know all the, these things but you're so right then you think well actually no what have I experienced and I have had a limp you know and yeah. I mean limps that go on for ages and what my version of it being pretty tough you know I've I've known what it feels like to not be able to use one of my limbs fully I've had the slurred speech I've had the droopy face I've had you could reel them all off as well the fatigue the not being able to talk you know because yeah. you're so tired you know we've we've been there and we have and I think we need to celebrate there is a little bit of pride in that that we have yeah. grafted to get to where we are now and that's not saying that other people haven't put the work in it's not everything is down to people's own choices and but if we can show them that if they want to make the choice to do a little bit in their own way that's what we're here to do yeah their their quality of life might not be what their quality of life will never be what it was but it will be better than it is yes and that's i think that's probably the driving home message because when people maybe follow you or follow myself now, they see how we are right now. They don't know what we were like beforehand. They don't know what we were like at the worst. So they, they only see what our new best is. Absolutely. And do you ever have times where you wish you had a video like to truly represent what you were before? Because yeah. I wish that I could show people because it's not to be like, oh, look how tough I had it. It's like, look and look where I've got to now. You can do the same. Yeah. I would just love to do that. Yeah, I did document some of my stuff when I wasn't well, but once I was on the medication and things like that. But I, when I was, at, like before my medication started, I had lost about two and a half stone, maybe a little bit more. And I was just a bag of bones and I couldn't even look at myself in the mirror, never mind take a picture to say this is how bad it got before it started to get better. So it was yeah. only once I started getting moon face from the steroids and things, I was like, look how bad I look. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I totally understand that. Yeah. Do you know one of the things as well? I do look back at pictures there as well, and there's times where I remember thinking, at the "Time, oh, I'm looking pretty good, I'm looking pretty well." Yeah. <laughs> well, I look back at those photos now, and I'm like, "I look like a corpse." What was I thinking? Yeah. Yeah. You no, know, but it just shows you that again. Back to every small step should be celebrated. So at the time, I celebrated because I'm like. I feel much better and that's yeah. the importance it's not what you look like it's I feel better yeah and um, so celebrate that and I am lucky enough that I have put enough steps in place that I feel fantastic yeah with a fine balance in my life and finely tuned but celebrating that and as you say if we can just if somebody can have a glimmer and when you're feeling entirely desperate about your life if there's just a glimmer of an improvement in that yeah. I think we'd all take that in a heartbeat. Absolutely. And that's that's what we need to share. You can have a glimmer. You don't need to have it all, but isn't a glimmer worth it? Yeah, definitely. Absolutely, for sure. This has been such an amazing conversation. And I want to keep talking to you. We'll, oh we'll need to keep to- I think this is the start <laughs> of a friendship. <laughs> this is definitely the start of a friendship and definitely start with more conversations because I'm like, fuck, that's an hour already. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Like, oh, or this girl's flown in. <laughs> it has flown in so quickly and I'm just like, oh, we could talk about that, but that might give us another hour of conversation. So it needs, yeah. to, wait. It needs to wait for another podcast because... 
people some people will go an hour podcast too long but I think when it's a two-way conversation an hour podcast is usually really good it's a good yeah. thing because there's a sharing of information I think two hours would be too long <laughs> well look at the value I've already written down loads of things from our conversation that I'm now going to go away and learn from and grow from yeah so. Yeah, absolutely. So, MD, listening to you, you said at the start, Smile with Susie as your yes. handle. Where else can people find you? So, you can find me, um, that's Smile with Susie, Susie with two S's. So, Smile with Susie on Instagram, on Facebook. You can find my website is shamelesslyyou.co.uk. Yep. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn as well, but that's not necessarily, you know, that's, that's a work in progress for me to truly be me right now too. You'll find me there. I don't really get it. I've got LinkedIn as well. I don't really get it. Like I post stuff and I'm like, I don't know why I posted this. I don't know what's happening with it. <laughs> I don't get it. But it's one of those things that I'm told that I should be doing because there are people out there that need this information. And I'm like, right, okay, I'll just keep posting. <laughs> well, let's have a conversation separately about LinkedIn. That's a, it's a separate yeah. one. I think there's power in it and there'll be people on there that aren't on our other platforms. So yeah. we have to reach them we too. So to, let's yeah. talk about that separately. <laughs> but, but yeah, Instagram, uh, Facebook, and my website are the main ways to find me. Awesome. Or like, feel free to DM me if anything resonates, message me or drop me an email. I'd love, I love connecting with people. Yeah. Uh, remember, I do those couple of free sessions for people with chronic conditions every month. They do get snapped up. Um, and aside from that, I, I do do a whole host of other coaching things. So if you feel drawn, then let's have a chat with no obligation. Absolutely. So what I'll do is I'll put all the links um, to your social media and your website and everything into the show notes. So if you can listen in on iTunes or SoundCloud can just flick into the notes here and then find you dead dead easy so um, we will definitely get another podcast conversation (laughs) 100% Um, so thank you so much for being an advocate of healthy living made free you are an absolute warrior woman and I can't wait to chat to you some more thank you thank you so much for the opportunity to chat Oh my goodness, how amazing was that podcast? What an inspiration. So remember to check out, subscribe if you love this so that you never miss another episode. Check out Susie and all the work she does. Check out the show notes to get the links for her. If you love this episode, give us a little review on iTunes with some five stars, pretty please. And a little love heart if you're on SoundCloud. If you know anybody who might get even a glimmer of hope from this podcast, please share it with them. The more people that can hear this, the more people that we can potentially give that hope to. And both of us on very similar yet very different journeys are both examples that we can accept the diagnosis but not the prognosis and if things can just be a little bit better that's all that we can hope for it's better being a little bit better than a little bit worse remember you can check out my book become a warrior woman nine rules to sort your shit it's available on amazon or via my website so please head over get your copy and i will speak to you on the next podcast take care